This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, alright, it's me, Dr. Fuck, from the band Thrasher Die and the band Combat, and with me today, as always, is. Ian Wadley from uh, Wadzilla Land. I mean, I, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong, but have we ever done a review where it's four people? No, this is our first four-way. The first four-way. All right, man. This is a sausage factory if ever there was one. And what better album to review uh, a sausage factory type album uh, than Crazy Nights because it's, it's just chock full of anti-heterosexuality <laughs> uh, that it, is Ian do me the honors and intro who we have with us this week alright we have two people who are totally slumming by coming on our show we have uh, from San Francisco Dilly Dang the one and only Bill Wang hello Bill hey 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 alright and then also from the Decibel Geek podcast the one and only Chris Sinzak hey hey Woo-hoo, this is going to be a marathon. There is going to be uh, bloodshed. This is going to get nasty. I have a feeling. Well, it depends, you know, how Chris Sinzak's going to take it. It's Sinzak! Oh. Chris Sinzak! <laughs> Sorry, Bob. It's okay, Raul. <laughs> oh, you racist. It's because I'm a spick. You call me Raul. Okay. Oh, shit. It's okay, Robbie. <laughs> All right, that's better. Let's talk about when you first discovered this album and, and, and what it meant to you and a little background on your history. Bill uh, down in the Bay, why don't you talk to us about when you first heard Crazy Nights? Oh, yeah. Rock and Metal Podcast is the place to be. Diddly D, bam, bam, bam. First and foremost, let me just say one thing. I just basically burned the box of chopsticks because I ain't going to need those for this podcast. You know what I'm saying? Diddly D. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, here's the deal, man. But by the time I fucking found this, you know, by the time this album came out, this juncture, my music was just all about Metallica and Sabotage, right? That's all that mattered. But, you know, when I heard this song, um, I mean, yeah, I got to be honest, you know, I basically gave up on Kiss music as far as purchasing the music, saw all the tours, but uh, I remember specifically when I heard this song, Labor Day up in Sacramento, 98.5. Uh, Labor Day 87, and I was uh, jet skiing, and uh, this came on the radio. New uh, new single, about a month away from the release. Crazy, crazy nights. I stopped what I was doing, I laughed, and then I cried. Uh, I like this album. The, the, this album, and it's, fun, it's interesting that Bill mentions where he was at with what he was listening to when he discovered this album, because... I really think the environment and where you're at, where your head's at musically, affects what you think of certain albums, and that's probably the case for this one. This album was my gateway drug into being a Kiss fan, which most people will probably be like, "What?" Um, I was, I guess, I was about 11 years old when this came out, and I was into actually Poison was the band I was into at the time, which is well, not that much. Explains but, a lot. It does, I know, and uh, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, so I was into a lot of the hair metal stuff at the time, not even the good stuff, but uh, 
I was into that, and then uh, I saw a video from this album, and we'll get into that as we go song by song. And uh, I don't know, I kind of dug it at the time, and uh, I don't know, I just got into it this way. But uh, I don't love everything about this album, but uh, this album also holds a special place because it's what got me into Kiss, so I kind of have to give it some credit for that. All right, Ralph Vieira. I think Chris's, where Chris's head was at was like at a glory hole. <laughs> All right. Yeah, mom was on the other side. <laughs> oh! Damn! Zinger! <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> That's what your mom said. Oh! oh, man. Oh, he's on fire! God damn it. Why did I have to take an oxy tonight of all nights? I can't come back. This damn Peter Cisno. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, he's on. That was like Mortal Kombat. Like, finish him. <laughs> that was awesome. No, it wasn't awesome. Okay, I mean, that was that was horrible. Ralph, what do you, what do you think of this album when you first heard it? Uh, I thought the first time I heard it was Headbangers Ball. They showed the world premiere of the the title track, and you know, I mean, to tell you the truth, everything. Like the album before, although I'm a big fan of Asylum, I wasn't a big fan of the videos. Like, I didn't like Tears of Fallen. I didn't like Who Wants to Be Lonely. All Night was all right, you know. But so when I heard Crazy Night, too, to me, it was kind of like the same old, same old. It's like, all right, another crappy Paul Stanley song, whatever. But I did go by the album because I am a completist. Now, I can't, I can't tell you what, how it was the first time I heard it. All I remember is that I, I've been terrified uh, the first time I heard it to uh, even now that I heard it. the first, I haven't listened to this album, I think, in nearly like 20 years or maybe even over than that. I mean, to me, this was, at that point, the worst kissed out. Ian, uh, what about you? Well, this was the first album that I waited for to come out. I uh, I discovered Kiss through Asylum. I mean, I knew of Kiss and I'd heard some Kiss, but I became a Kiss fan with Asylum. So this is one like I'm marking on my calendar. I've, I've got to get this. And at the time, I was living in in Southern Illinois with my dad, and I hung out at this record store every day after school. And I found out I could pre-order uh, the single, which I got on 45, not a cassette single. A real 45 and the first single was the title track create well crazy crazy nights backed with no 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 and I dude I knew the day it was coming out I remember riding my 10 speed from you know I was in eighth grade at the time and I was so obsessed with kiss and you know this is about a, a year and a half of me being into metal and at that time through Columbia House and creating all these fake accounts with all my relatives, <laughs> I have all kinds of metal now. I, you know, I have cock rock, I have traditional metal, I have some thrash metal. Uh, so, I mean, I was headlong into metal, but it was all about Kiss. And I came on board to Asylum, and then I went back, I got all the old shit except uh, The Elder. At that time, I still couldn't get. Uh, but I had everything else, and I was waiting for this so much. And I'll never forget buying this 45. I'm so excited. I go home. I put it on my dad's record player. 
and I had to put. Remember the the little thing you had to stick in a forty-five. Yeah, I still I, I still have one of those things. Right. It's very important to have. Right, right. So I had to stick that on there to, to play the forty-five, and I hear it, and I was like, oh, I don't like this as much as everything else. And then I flipped it over and played no, 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 and I I hated that even more. So uh, we might as well get into this. And uh, Bill Wayne, why don't you take the title track? Yeah, um, <laughs> I like to piggyback on my introduction to the album generally, the Labor Day weekend of 87 I was talking about. But now having the um, uh, the Monday morning quarterback revisionist history, I still feel the same way about the song. It's horrible. It's silly. It's um, poppy. It's... Um, Oh, God, it's like Kiss tried to be pop rock superstars and failed miserably, you know? I was hating on the Bon Jovi and all that hair shit that uh, Sinzak loved. I hate it. I fucking despise it. After Rat, you know, and and Dokken, you know, mid-80s. After that, I just gave up on all that shit. It was horrible. And the only redeeming quality of this song is lovable Bill Wang Jr. likes it. For that reason only, I give it one chopstick. <laughs> I love that. I, 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 I'm telling you. Before we we keep going, Bill, you make a, you you make an interesting point, and this is kind of like. Uh, first of all, I gotta say, I always have to say this for now on because me and Ian have had way too many fights, for for our own good. Because I love the fuck out of this guy, and I don't know why I get in fights with him because he is my he is my peanut butter to my jelly. <laughs> but he always confuses cock rock with early metal. Like early mm-hmm. '80s metal, he'll always put up like a rat video, cock rock, or you know this and that. But Bill brings up a great fact: Dokken, Rat, all this shit before Poison and Bon Jovi came along, dude. That shit was hard rock metal. Nobody called it cock rock. Nobody called it hair metal. Nobody even called it pop or nothing like that. That shit was considered metal. Now, yeah, yeah granted, there were some except Jews Priest. Iron Maiden fans that couldn't accept your Rat or your Dokken or your Motley Crue to an extent, you know, I mean, oh, they ain't metal enough, but they were still metal. Now American metal. Exactly, and 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 then you go to uh, lick it up, you go to you go to fucking uh, Creature of the Night and shit. I I I really don't like Animalize, but I would even say Animalize was yeah. not cock rock, you know. Yeah. It was metal. It was metal. 1984, absolutely. It was 19, American it, metal. To me, it all started with Bon Jovi and Poison. That's when all these bands turned into cock rock, including Rat and Motley Crue and all those bands before. I, I'm a little fucked up. Hey, for the first time, I'm fucked up with all you guys. Because I know all, <laughs> yeah. every, everybody's fucked up on something, right? Yep. Damn right. Yes. <laughs> uh, Chris, what are you, what are you, what, are you drinking? Yeah, I'm drinking uh, Jekyll Brewing Southern India Pale Ale. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you are our guest. So, I guess we'll throw it to you um, about uh, what you think of the title track, and you better like it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> get a, as catchy of a song as you're gonna get, even in 1987. Um, the Paul Stanley's got a great vocal on it. Yeah, the lyrics are cheesy, but I mean, for younger fans like me at the time, that's what we were into at the time. Uh, I will say my criticism of the song, 
the rhythm guitars are way too low in the mix, and that's that's uh, I can't even remember the big word because I've had too much to drink. But that or that's symptomatic of a lot of Paul's songs on this album. Paul was wanting to be a pop star at this time, and some of his songs suffered because of this. But I will say, Bruce Kulick has a really good solo on this song, and it's pretty. It's actually one of those solos you can kind of hum to yourself. So I dig the song. I think it's a cool song. You know, I, I gotta say, uh, uh, Ian, can I talk about the song now, or do you want to go? No, go ahead. All right, I, I feel like the problem with this song is that a really good song is really low in the mix on this one. I guess that wasn't funny. <laughs> Tip your waitress. <laughs> Try the veal. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, this this is like, please like us. You know, and, and I think... Here's the thing that uh, I don't know how old every I know Bill's more my age, uh, where Ian and Chris are a little you know they were a little younger back then, but Kiss was really not doing well. Even as everybody always talks about, they were selling millions in the '80s and this and that, which is true. They weren't Who suffering. Wasn't? They were they weren't suffering sales wise, but their their tours were not. They were they were not sellout tours. Let me put it this way. It wasn't wow. so hot in the shade of all albums that they started really selling tickets. And Slaughter helped out that. Yeah, and Winger and Faster Pussycat. But, yeah. but, hey, Wasp didn't help Asylum. Ted Nugent didn't help Crazy Nights. I went to all those shows. And well, it wasn't... Ted didn't help anybody in 1987. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's true. You got well, he helped the NRA. But this album is, yeah, this is where Gene really, really fucking didn't give a fuck. And I disagree. I, well, yeah, I dis I disagree too. That's but that's because both of you're young. You don't understand. <laughs> I agree one hundred thousand percent. Me and me and me, me and Bill are 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 wise. <laughs> and we know our music. Bam. <laughs> and we know our music. Bam. But here here's my point. Like you guys are saying, oh, I disagree because Gene cared. I I honestly think this is the album, and then the next one is where. Gene just didn't give a fuck. And you know what? I still prefer Gene's songs over Paul's on this album. As oh, much I do. As, and I don't like Gene's songs that much on this album. But I feel like his songs were even, I don't know, a little more... Uh, come on. A little more <laughs> ballsier than well, fucking well, well, Paul. Let, let me clarify to what I say. I'm, I'm not saying Gene cared more, but I'm saying I enjoy Gene's songs more on this than I do Paul's. Me for, too. For well, I, you know what? And I agree with both of you. But I still think those songs suck. <laughs> Ian, what do you think of uh, the, the, this, this song? All right. Well, uh, even at 13, I knew this song sucked. <laughs> Way too much keyboard. Uh, I don't like the, you know, the, the triple, almost quadruple tracking uh, background vocal by Paul. I mean, shit. You know, it was the first single. It was the only song that was uh, from this album that was played after this tour. Mm -hmm. it, it was played on the Hot in the Shade tour, and then it was played again on the uh, Sonic Boom tour. Really? And, yes. Yeah. And the only album that's played less than this live is The Elder. So that For good fucking reason. Yeah. And, 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 hey. hey. Exactly. <laughs> Did you hear that, Bill? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically just sighing. Like, just sighing. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm hey, sorry. Hey, hey. Leave, leave Bill alone. He's trying to pick the seeds out while he's rolling a doobie. <laughs> it's about that awesome macho anthem, just a boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Odyssey. Oh, yeah. that. oh, oh, please, let's not talk about our macho elder. We're talking about crazy nights after all. All right. All right. Yeah, all right. Wait till we get to my way. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. All, right. Right. all right. Well, let, yeah. let me get back to the song. It was the first single. Uh, it didn't do too well in the, in the States. It went to number 65 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, went to number 37 on the mainstream rock uh, charts. But... Surprisingly enough, and this really throws me off, because so much great metal comes out of England, this was the biggest Kiss song in England ever. It was their first, it was their first top ten single. It went to number four in England. When I first heard this, I, w- I was disappointed. And, you know, I- I'm not going to lie at this time. Hey, I, I like Slippery When Wet. I like some cock rock. But I was like, man, this isn't as cool as Asylum. You know, it's not as heavy. And I'll be real honest, I take shit from this all the time. I think Kiss looked cool as fuck on Asylum, because that's when I discovered him. Wow. It, it wow. Was, wow. No, really? Wow. Well, well, that's when I discovered it, dude. And like I, I said in the Asylum episode. Uh, Glory hole. They, Glory hole. They, they, to me, they look like rock stars. Like, I didn't know anybody who looked like that in real Like, nobody at the mall, you know, and nobody at the Chess King looked like that. You know, they they looked fucking like rock stars. But 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 so did Doc and all that shit. But at this time, Kiss was a total, uh, a, a trend jumper. I mean, to me, true Kiss died with a live two. Because after that, I agree also. After that, they jumped every trend. And another artist that I put in the same category is is Alice Cooper. You know, was an artist that, you know, they they had a sound that made them what they were, what everybody identified. But then when they got so big, then it's like, oh well, fuck, I want to stay on top. So whatever trend is happening, they'll jump on it. And when, you know, when they failed with the disco album, well, I mean, they, they did and they didn't fail with that. But then they went poppy with Unmasked. They, yeah. try, they tried to do, a, you know, the wall with, with the Elder. And then, oh, wait a minute, metal's in vogue now. So then they got harder with Creatures and Lick It Up and, and you know, and Animalize. And then, hold on now, it's getting a little bit more pretty boy and simple riding. They did that with Asylum and this. And, you know, like, Cooper did the same thing. Like, he went cock rock with Constrictor, you know, and, and, and shit like that. So it's like these bands, that they get somewhere. And, and you can you can say the same thing with, with Metallica. They have a signature sound. But then when they reach that peak, like, oh, wait a minute. Something new has come along. We have to sound like this. And it would take years before Kiss would come back to it. And even though everybody hates the album, Sonic Boom is more Kiss playing Kiss-like. I mean, granted, the songs aren't that strong, but it sounds more 70s Kiss-like than anything else. You know, so they're chasing trends. And that's what they do. I call this album Kiss Jovi, because that that's what it is. It's them trying to, like, okay, we're going to have keyboards. It's going to be all about the chorus. We're going to use a, a glossy producer. And still, at the time... I, I didn't like it as much, but I couldn't admit it because they were my favorite band. But 
We've talked enough about this fucking song. Let's go on to the next one. Bill Wang, I want to hear your hatred for I'll Fight Hell to Hold You. Uh, you're going to hear it, but just real fast, let me go off script. I'm with Ralph. Um, maybe not necessarily of when Asylum came out in 85. I did see the tour, Wasp open. Nice. But looking back, yeah, looking back in a retrospect aspect, Monday morning quarterbacking, I, I'm starting to really dig Asylum. And we're talking the last five years. So that being said, uh, number two, um, I'll fight to hold you. Um, I'm going to be quite honest here. One of the few decent songs. I like the riff and I and I like the the, um, the story of the uh, the um, the evolution of the riff. Uh, there's been uh, Bruce Kulick has stated in a couple of interviews just the difference of uh, the different sort of riffs or whatever. Um, I like, it's one of my favorite songs on the record, but it's still only getting two chopsticks. So there you go. All right, Chris Sinzak. Uh, I think it's definitely the most complex song on the album, especially writing writing wise. The riffs are good throughout the whole thing, especially like the build-up on the pre-chorus and the pre-solo. Um, some really good guitar playing on this on this song. Uh, it's definitely not Bruce's greatest solo, but it's, it'll work. Um, but it is to him kind of just showing off. Um, his, actually, the outro solo that he plays at the end of the song is really good. Uh, lyrics are cheesy, just like the first... The ly- lyrics are cheesy through pretty much all of this record, let's be honest. Um, but then again, it's Kiss. I mean, fuck, look at the stuff they put out in the 70s. It was cheesy, too. Uh, the Eric Carr has great drumming on this song, and I think this may be... Yeah, I guess I'd say this is probably, in my opinion, Paul's best song on the album, because he wasn't taking a stab at radio with it. So I think it's the most honest Paul song on the record, because most of Paul's stuff on the record I don't like. All right, Ralph, what do you think? Uh, I, You know what? And it's going to sound weird to me saying this, but... I really hate this song. Uh, especially that you know that part. Yeah, I love I, it. I, I I just don't like it. It grates on me. This song just everything about it I hate, but I will say this. It's the best out of all the Paul songs on the album. I, I will agree, agree there. I mean <laughs> if, if I mean I, line this up with, you know, I'm well we'll get into those songs later. Yeah. Uh, all the other songs, I think this is the best out of the the batch of Paul tunes on here. But I, I I really don't like it. But I mean, I have one positive thing to say about it. It's the best of all the Paul tunes. Uh, that's all I got to say, huh, Ian? All right. Well, um, it's cheesy. It's light in the loafers, and <laughs> I love it. It, it. it to me, it's just a good '80s song. And I, I think this is the best, like, Paul vocal. I think Paul sounds amazing on this. Yeah. And, and one thing I find funny about this is uh, his lyric in the song where he's like, you know, no river too deep or mountain high. Motown. Yeah, yeah, which is totally, you know, you know the, the, the uh, not Donna Summer, uh, what's her name? Uh, RuPaul. No, <laughs> Uh, Diana Ross. Diana Ross. It's the Diana Ross song, No River Too Deep, Mountain High. But what's funny is on the next album, uh, Little Caesar was, was called, uh, what was the original name of Little Caesar? It was... Um, uh, shit. Ain't that peculiar. Yeah, and, and Gene Simmons said, no, because that's a Marvin Gaye song, and people think it's Marvin Gaye. Like, well, you know, here Paul just did fucking Motown. But, of course... Gene's not going to tell Paul shit at this time because he's not there. Right. Uh, you know, Ron, Nev- Ron Nevinson talked about how 
uh, you know, Gene was not here at all except for vocals. I think they had laid some bass down early and did vocals so Gene could check the fuck out. He said he did this mostly with Paul and Bruce. Like, like e even Eric wasn't there as much. Uh, but I, I do like this song. It, it's not what I want out of Kiss necessarily, but I think it's a great song. Uh, not a great song, but I mean, it's, it's, it's an 80s song. And I, you know, I have a, you know, I, I love 80s pop because that's when I grew up. And to me, this is a good 80s pop song, but not necessarily a good Kiss song. But I, th I think it's a solid song. And supposedly, uh, the co-writer of the song, Adam Mitchell, yep. play plays on this along with Bruce Cooler. He does. I've talked to him myself. Oh, okay. Right. I, I didn't... Did you do an episode with Adam Mitchell? I, don't I, know. Uh, I did an interview for Podcast with him. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, and something interesting that Ian brought up, and this is a big reason why I can't get into Crazy Nights, is because I really didn't like 80s pop after, like, 84. I love, I love like, the romantics talking in your sleeve. Yeah. You know, you know all those early uh, '80s pop songs. Well, I love I, I like Candy, all that shit. I loved all that stuff. But no, I, I agree with you there, Ralph. Like, like I love '80s pop, but I know what you're saying. Like after, like after the middle part of the '80s, that that's when it was all like processed keyboards, and that's what this is. Yeah, you know, it, 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 th yeah. this is late. This is late '80s pop. This is more Paul Abdul than Bow Wow Wow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There. Well. Well put in. And um, great analogy. That's 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 probably why you know because '80s pop really bothered me. You know, in the later on, like you know, with the the CNC Music Factory and all this. You know, I mean, to me, it was just cookie cutter shit. And I I really see Crazy Nights as kind of like that type of cookie cutter. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. It, it was for the time, and retrospect, it's like, at the time, I could I mean, I hated it. And I remember when I went to go, because the thing is, I would see Kiss, I don't give a fuck what they would release. You know, right. I, I was just a concert goer in the 80s. I loved arena rock. Even if, yeah. the, if a band released shit, you know, I went to go see the, you know, uh, just, you know, I, I didn't like Girls, 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 but I went to go see that show, and and I really did enjoy it. Now, the Crazy Night Show, I gotta say, I, I didn't enjoy it, and I don't mean to sound trendy or the dead man syndrome bullshit, but goddamn, man, to me, Eric Carr's drum solo that night and, and uh, Hot in the Shade, I was lucky enough to see that too because I understand they stopped him from doing drum solos on the Hot oh, in the yeah. Shade tour. But not the show I saw. And Me neither. It was a highlight. Uh, Animalized, Asylum, all you know, and Lick It Up, and Creatures with the with the Tank. Eric Carr always did an amazing drum solo, and it was always different every year. And well, I do remember that Crazy Nights was probably one of the best drum solos I ever seen him do. Really? Because didn't at that time he had like the electronic drum, the Simmons, thing. yeah. He, I loved it, man. I loved well, it. Uh, he was doing sound effect shit, and I loved it. I think he was, wasn't, well, I, I maybe, I don't know if I got it mixed, but it wasn't that the tour he would hit a Tom and it would do like, who are you? Like, you know, the little. Uh, who are you they did on the Asylum tour. Okay, maybe I got it. No, 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 I'm sorry, they did Won't Get Fooled Again. 
no, no. He did no. it on. No, I'm talking, talking about during the drum solo. He would hit yeah. a tom, and then it would do the sound effect of "Who are you?" Oh, it would trigger it. It would trigger it. Yeah, exactly. it would trigger I was there. the sound. Specific. Absolutely, yeah. And then yep. he would do like drum rolls with, and then hit it again to get that sound constantly. And I really did enjoy. It. I thought that was original, different. You know, I just thought it was fucking cool as fuck. All right, uh, bang bang you. Oh my uh, god, Chris Sinzak, defend this. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> absolute garbage song uh there's a fine line between cheesy and fucking terrible and this song doesn't just cross it it takes a plane over it uh it's the counting lyrics are retarded the synth keyboard part during the chorus is pathetic and the riff is basically pedestrian uh referencing love gun in this song is the equivalent of me looking at a kid's finger painting project and saying it looks like the mona lisa um <laughs> It's a generic solo by Bruce Kulick. There's nothing good to say about this song, but I don't know why, and let me see if my psychic powers are working. Something tells me Ralph likes this song. Oh, what? Now, you gotta stop drinking that shit, dude. <laughs> Swarping your mind. <laughs> are you All right, Ralph, 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 what do you think? And this is like one of the songs that actually made the set list. I remember seeing it that night. Oh, yeah. Oh, Great. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a bootleg from this tour. And it's on, and I was like, you gotta be sure. Yeah, they, they played it the night I saw it, too, and I was like, no, dude, Chris, no, no, no. Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, the second worst song, in my opinion, on the album. You I'll even it. take the title track over this shit. This yes. shit is so bad. Uh, one, two, three, <laughs> four. And it's Paul Stanley, like, you know, one thing, and I know I'm going to get a lot of shit from this, from all three of you, and, well, maybe not Bill Wang, but... I feel like Paul Stanley has to be the most overrated frontman in the history of fucking rock and roll. Now, I... No, enjoy, no, no way. No, no, wait. Let me finish. Let me explain. I feel Paul Stanley is very entertaining live when he ain't talking. When the guy's like <laughs> running around and dancing and prancing. I mean, some of it's just too fucking gay for me, but, but some <laughs> of it's really cool. Like, he does some good jumps and you know he gets into it and i dig some of it but man when he talks between songs and 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 to me like the way he sings bang bang you is what i just can't stand about the guy that tone and that voice like one two three it's, <laughs> it's like look at me i'm fucking cool Ooh. and then the nurse like gets my 501 g's and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like so bad. It's like, please, please let me be David Lee Roth. It, it's pathetic. And Bang Bang You epitomizes Paul Stanley to me as a frontman talking. And then now Paul Stanley's a fucking preacher. People! I mean, <laughs> have, you, have you guys heard, let me get this off my chest? Have you guys oh, heard this? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my god and and to think people i've seen so many people say the best frontman ever is fucking paul stanley i'm like you gotta be shitting me this is uh, one of the uh, worst ever man i i, I would put him up there well, a- I, I will tell you this the guy is scripted you know I, I i'm a big kiss fan and i i did a lot of kiss video collecting and you know i really did love the hot in the shade tour 
The motherfucker said the same thing every goddamn night. Right, but but how many times does David Lee Ross say, "Look at all the people here tonight, live in front of your naked, steaming eyes," and it still works? Yeah, yeah. I I I wonder I wonder uh, uh, if if that rubbed off on Paul. See, I, when Dave yeah. did it, it was cool. When Paul did it, it was fake. Yeah. I do remember at one point thinking, man, Paul Stanley goes to the doctor a lot. Yeah, I went to yeah, the right. doctor, and he said, that baby had a tongue so long. <laughs> and, 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 you know, just the way he talks, the way it's like, yo, you know, I mean, especially this was Paul Stanley at his worst, I feel, as a front man. <laughs> Animalize. Uh, dude, that Animalize Uncensored, the, the intro to Love Gun. Yeah, it's a classic. Holy fuck, dude. And you know that, that dude, Chris. Seriously, what? Are, you gonna, are you gonna tell me it's it's good in any way? I was 11 years old. Give me a break. No, well, I'm talking about now. I'm not talking about 11 years old. <laughs> no, it, uh, it's it's cringeworthy now. Let's, let's just say there's a reason that they never like re-released Animalize Live. Yeah, no shit. And, like, fuck but, that. And and Animalize and, and Asylum was really the same shit. He did the same thing, and um, I got to tell and and Paul tried so hard. I mean, I'll tell you how hard he tried to be like, I love chicks so much that during the Animalized tour, I was pretty close that at one point he went down and he started playing with a chick's tits. Like, he actually physically lowered her top. She had it like a tank top, and he was just grabbing and caressing her tits like for like during a guitar solo, you know? And uh, but, but to me, it's like I bet you anything. When the song was over, he ran to the back and like put you know hand lotion on his hand. Ew! And grabbed the cock to, to wipe off the tip. Oh, oh man! I, I, I mean, he did recycle shit. I mean, at, at at one point in the '80s, I think he was like, "I hear some of you like Tab and New Coke." Tab and New Coke. Crystal Coke. I hear some of you like Crystal Pepsi and Zima. <laughs> bang, bang, you. Um, I'll take Sonny and Cher's bang, bang, my baby shot me down over this pile of shit any day. Possibly one of the worst songs ever written. Two words come to mind. Silly and dumb. I'm telling you, this gets zero chopsticks. I, it has no redeeming value. It's absolutely rubbish. So we're unanimous on Bang Bang You. All right. Well, uh, let, let Pretty me say much. this little thing here. Bang Bang You, according to Paul Stanley, says, This is a classic story about boys and the toys. <laughs> and uh, it was only performed on the Crazy Nights Tour. Thank fucking Dave. <laughs> yeah, Bang Bang You. That shit is fucking horrible. And I'll take the next song, which is No, No, No. Now, this is one, like I said, uh... This was the B-side that I had on the 45. And and while I wasn't crazy about Crazy Crazy Nights, I really hated this song. And it, it went through a different, a couple different gestation periods. Uh, at one point it was called Assume the Position. And <laughs> at another point it was called Down on All Fours. I mean, uh, classic Gene type. Typical Gene. And this was based off uh, 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 a Bruce Kulick riff. And uh, him and Eric Carr wrote this, and Carr was, like, happy to play, you know, like, the double bass and everything. And then uh, Gene came in and said, no, hold on, let me dumb this shit down. Right. Uh, but I will say, 
this this is Kulik says this is his favorite song that he did with Kiss because it's, he said it's fast, furious, and it features me a lot. And in hindsight, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. I fucking love it. Uh, it was only played on the Crazy Nights tour. Like I said earlier, the only one that survived uh, to live another day was Crazy Crazy Nights. Yeah. But uh, I hated this song at first, but now, like, listen to it with, with, with my musical taste and definitely are heavier. You know, it's like, oh, this is... I listen to it now, and yeah, there's a lot of, like, Van Halen ripoff, guitar-wise, drum-wise... Uh, the lyrics aren't the greatest, but to me, it, it's far more what I want on a kiss than what you hear on the rest of the album. Uh, no, no, no is borderline my favorite track on this album. What do you think, Chris Sinzak? Wow. Okay, we differ on this song. I, um, I knew it. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the Bruce and Eric Carr jam at the beginning is okay. Um, it's nothing earth-shattering, though. It's definitely... It's like, okay, what's Van Halen doing? Let's try that. Um, I think that leads into basically what I would consider one of the worst songs in the entire Kiss catalog. Wow. Um, the music isn't that bad, but Gene's lyrics, delivery, and the more boring than boring chorus absolutely ruin the song. And it honestly sounds like he was searching for words and random cliches that just rhymed and said, that'll do. And... Uh, Gene's, I, the only positive I can take away from this song is Gene's bass sound. And I guarantee that this must have been an argument between him and Ron Nevison because the bass is like the loudest thing on the whole song. Um, other than that, I think the song blows. I, I like what you said. It reminds me of the back picture of the sound because you see Bruce Kulick grabbing his guitar like somebody's going to take it away and give it to C.C. DeVille. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like C.C. DeVille's guitar. All right, Bill Wang, what do you think of No, No, No? Oh man, without being repetitive, you guys, I just, I, I recall, I recall the moment I heard this song, I basically lowered my head, put my hand on my forehead and just said to myself, gasping, no, no, no. <laughs> and the only redeeming quality of this song is Bruce's cool solo, I like it. So for that and that only, I'm going to give it at least one chopstick. Oh, wow. All right, a positive note. Ralph. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are a couple, I must admit. Ralph, why don't you come out of your summa coma and tell us what you think? All right, uh, it, I, I don't know if you all know, I'm sure, Mr. Bill Wang, because I love Mr. Bill Wang, and he, I know he knows this about me. Uh, I made a video for every single Kiss album. I chose a song from every Kiss album, and the song I picked from Crazy Nights was No, No, No. So if you go on YouTube, I made a video for No, No, No. It's the one song. Now, I will say this. I, 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 I'm going to be 100% honest. This song, I do not like at all. But yeah, I mean, I, I had to make a choice. What song am I going to use? Um, yeah, you have to pick one. I have to pick one. You know what I mean? And you know, like, like I'll give you an example, like Unmasked. I'm not a big fan of Unmasked, but I love Naked City. So I made a song, a video for Naked City. I, now, that, hey, let me just say, there's a great podcast, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, the Unmasked episode. You got to listen to that. <laughs> Feature Bill Wayne. Bam, bam, oh, yeah. bam. oh, that's right. That's right. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Ralph, I, I have a, a two-part question to ask you real quick. Okay. What what video did you make for the elders? Uh, the old. 
the okay. Okay. Oh, well, okay, great. And I and I believe it's the the most watched video on almost human. I think so. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, it's a three part question. Okay. What song did you pick for uh Hot Shit? Little Caesar. Okay, and what song did you pick for Sonic Boom? I'm an animal. Okay. End of my questions. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, to go back on, no, 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 it's ridiculous, it's stupid, it sucks, but it's my favorite song on the album. <laughs> wow. Such a ringing yeah. endorsement. It's not saying much, but you gotta pick one. I mean, I have to, Hey, if you're gonna tell me what's my favorite song, it's like, okay, this one has less, this one has more peanuts in the shit than the rest of them. Like, exactly, like, I picture Ralph with, like, with, with like, dishwashing gloves, actually picking the turd out of the toilet and putting pledge on it. <laughs> you know, like, okay, you win! Oh, you hey, hey, not to suck your dick, Ralph, but four million people have watched him, baby. Bam! Oh, that's right. I'm happy to announce. Thank you for bringing that up, Phil. My, You're very welcome, sir. My channel just passed the four million mark. And this is the crazy thing, Phil. I don't know if you noticed this. It hit four of course million. I know. It, it hit four million in the morning. Like while right. I was at work, and then later on at night when I went to show people, hey, my shit passed four million. It was at four million two thousand, and like three hours later, it got like Damn. two thousand views like in in hours. Oh, deadly deep. Deadly deep. All right, Bill Wang, you sound hot. Why don't you talk about hell or high water? Sound hot? I'm hot as fuck. You know, you partied and drank beer with me, <laughs> Mrs. Wang. Am I hot? Hello. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, number five, hell or high water. Um, well, here we go again. Uh, it's a, it's a, one of the very few decent songs. I like the chorus, uh, Bruce. I dig the solo. It's a decent song. You know, of all these songs of basic crap, it's one of those songs. It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, this week I've been uh, reflecting on it, and uh, uh, fair. I mean, to be quite honest, it's been. I mean, over two decades since I actually sat there and listened to the whole album, but I think this is one of the decent songs. And um, but it's not going to go above one chopstick, so I give it one chopstick, and uh, that's about it, man. All right, Chris Sinzak, Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. Oh man, I love this song. I really do. I I think this is one of the. Obviously, you know, Gene has has got basically like a bookmark issue here with. From I Love It Loud from Creatures through uh, Unholy from Revenge. You know, there was kind of like a desolate period there for him. Of course, he was making really horrible fucking movies. Um, what? But, oh, yeah. Uh, Runaway's okay, but the rest I don't no, want. Trick, no, trick no. or treat? Trick no, or no, treat? Trick or treat doesn't count, though. Yeah, but I mean, do you really count trick or treat? No, that, he wasn't that, that doesn't count because he's hardly in it. But I gotta tell you, I, I really enjoyed uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. I thought I that was the best one out of all of them. I guess he's okay in that. Um, but uh, in my opinion, Hell or High Water is Gene's best song of the 80s non makeup era. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. You better be drunk. Hey, guy, drug test this kid. Drug test. Come on. Drunk and wasted. You're, you're, you're saying that because I think it's better than the genius of Burn Bitch Burn and no, Trial by not, not, not for the I, Innocent. Not for the Innocent. I didn't like Burn Bitch Burn. Okay. Chris. Uh, not for the Innocent's good. I, well, maybe I need to rethink that. Good. Anyway, oh. God, that song. I spit the hangman in his face. And yeah, that, thank, you, that, thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, no, hey, no, no, since then, can I buy some of those Decibel Geek bath salts that you're sure. on? Oh, my God. <laughs> It'll make you eat your listeners, and then we get more listeners. Oh, um, great. And, and, and they'll be phony, and then you'll listen to it. It's like, man, or take them. You're like, this ain't a bath salt. This ain't Vinny Vincent. Bam, bam, bam. The riff is cool for the song. I like Gene's, like, the smooth vocal delivery he's got. The lyrics sound like he actually used more than six brain cells to write them, which is a rarity in those days. Nope. Um, and I, it's actually one of my favorite Bruce Kulick guitar solos, uh, like especially the way it ends. Like him and Eric Carr work together to do this cool syncopated thing. And oh wow, I, I brought that up. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's a cool way to end the guitar solo. But I think it's a really, really strong song, and I, I think Gene's songs have aged from this record way better than Paul's have. All right, Ian, Ian, you want to take this? Uh, I have to agree with uh, Chris Senzak. I love this. It's a it's a catchy song for Gene. And for an album that he was, like, really not invested in, I think he has the stronger songs. Um, the original title for the song was Ralph, Ralph's Mom Gets Done at the Waffle House at 5 a.m. Gotta pick her up. So and, specific. <laughs> yes, but he changed it to Hell or High Water because it blew off the tongue better. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> but uh, I love this song. Yeah. Was it like me, Ralph Vieira, mom? <laughs> uh, no, it was It was a little bit more ambiguous. It Ralph said, Macchio? Yeah, it, it just said Ralph. Okay. <laughs> She's not into the Waffle House. She's more into IHOP. Because she IHOPs out on, in everybody's bed. <laughs> My mom's a fucking whore. My mom doesn't know how to say no, no, no. Well, All she knows how to say is my way. Yeah, yeah. He said, he said, "Well, Ralph's mom was over easy when he dropped these yeah. eggs." Uh, it's a catchy your, track. Your mom it, scrambled, motherfucker. <laughs> yes, she did. She scr- she scrambled for a fucking. Uh, Abortion, but in my uh, eyes, abortion after she gets sunny side yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in 1974, you know, it was hard to find. Um, this was rarely played live, but was a couple of times. Uh, I, I just, I really think it's a catchy song. And again, I think Gene, for somebody who wasn't there, delivered more. Paul, who is my favorite member, gives. It, it, it's a good song. It's dated, but it's uh, still good. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, before I say that, something I forgot to mention about No, No, No. Uh, they didn't play that song live when they played here. Uh, I know there, there's two, two uh, there's that outdoor show and I think Philadelphia where they did play it live, but by the time it played Hollywood, Florida, it was not on the set list. And what I understand was mainly because of Paul Stanley. Uh, Paul Stanley disliked the song so much. I think he dictated yep. the set list and said, "We're not playing no, no, no anymore." They did. Wow. Yeah, they did keep the guitar solo and the drum, um, but I don't remember what song they segued into. But no, no, no was not played live when I saw them on that tour. Just to say that. Uh, okay. Come hell or high water. The only positive thing I do like about this song is the chorus. Come hell or high water. I like that. I thought that was good. But no, I don't like that. Here I am. I don't know, dude. It's just... Uh. But, you know, uh, again, if we're going to judge it by, you know, 
favorite to worst, I would say this is the third best song on the album. There's one I like a little more, and it's another Gene tune. Uh, I don't like it, but I do like the chorus. Uh, what's the song after this? My Way. The worst song on the album. My Way, yes. Okay, Chris, hey, we, we, we agree. My Way should have been called I'm Gay. Um, yes, I agree. It, it, it is so... Uh, it's so processed. The keyboards are drowning out. Uh, it's it's really bad when a keyboard drowns out a bad song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a double whammy. Uh, I can't. Was this ever played live? No, never played live. Oh man, at least they had some fucking sense. And Paul, this is like Paul's like highest singing ever, probably. I don't know. He yep. just, it's just so. In, his voice, great song. Everything about this song is bad. And his voice is, it just, oh, grates on me. Like, oh, uh, I can't stand this fucking song. Yes, by far the worst song of the 80s. Uh, kiss, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, 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 I remember reading My Body was 89. All right, okay, you got me there. Second. Uh, Close, right, very second. close. You know, I always point keep flip, thinking. Point I, flip. Always, I always keep thinking "Hot in the Shade" is '90 because the tour was in '90. Right. So right. I always get confused, but well, uh, it, it came out in October of '89. But the only the, the reason why I give "Read My Body" worse than this is because at least this was an original piece of shit. Where "Read My Body" was a straight up pour some sugar on me wannabe piece yeah, of shit. Yeah. And, and, and that's the deciding factor that makes Read My Body worse. But you know what, man? I mean, Read My Body, I agree, is worse, but really not by much. Right. But, I mean, like I said, if you remember when we did our top ten worst Kiss songs, Paul Stanley's my favorite member, and I think he showed up more than any other member. So, yeah, he can make a turn. That's for sure. I, I, it's and, like he got praised so much for saving Kiss through the 80s, but, man, if you line up all the songs in my top... Uh, 80s Kiss song, Gene would be more. Uh, I, I'd have more Gene songs than Paul's song. Uh, I really uh, look. For example, I mean, this album. As much as I dislike the Gene songs, I like them more than Paul's song. Uh, but yeah, my way is just fucking oh. Uh, Bill, take this one. Oh man, my way. What? Where, where do I go? You know. Frank Sinatra, it's not. Um, I could come up with a clever line or two, but I won't. I'm just going to say, basically, this song sucks. I mean, it's horrible. It's uh, pure, warm cat shit. And quite possibly, in the top three worst Kiss songs ever, uh, I don't even give it a chopstick, but I will give it two rotten egg rolls. Bam! Ooh, horrible. I mean, come on, man. I mean, every time I hear it now, this week, I was listening to it at work. I kept going to the bathroom and I had the runs. It was terrible. <laughs> man. I hate it. I really hated it and it sucked. I used a lot of toilet paper and it pisses me off. My boss almost fired me. But yeah, horrible. <laughs> Ooh, terrible. Ah, terrible. All right, Chris, uh, what do you think of my one? Uh, this is an, an another indefensible song on the album. Uh, for a song from the Top Gun soundtrack, it's an eight. For a kid song, it's a two. Um, 
The only way to make this song sound any more dated is, is if Paul repeatedly yelled, 1987, 1987, 1987, over and over. <laughs> uh, there's way too much keyboards uh, and not nearly enough guitars. I think this song, honestly, like a lot of people that, like his fans in particular, that uh, give this album flack, give it because of this song right here. This song is horrible. And uh, the only purpose it would serve is a movie soundtrack or the intro music to Tony Robbins coming to give a motivational speech. Oh, ooh. <laughs> nice. Good one. I, I got to say this. Uh, uh, you, you brought up an interesting point. And you may be right, Chris, when it comes to this song gets a lot of shit because of My Way. But in my case, no, man. In my case, I think My Way was so bad that I kind of blocked it out of memory. And just thought, man, this album sucks. So I actually, like, sat down and listened to My Way. Uh, and, and, like, acknowledged it. And that's when it finally dawned on me, like, wow. You know, this is, like, it took, you know, I, I already hated the album before I realized how shitty this song was. Ian, what do you think? Holy shit. Well, <laughs> I like Chris's analogy, like, oh, this is a Top Gun 8. But uh, this is more like uh, off the soundtrack of Short Circuit 2. <laughs> I mean, this is this is this is really bad. And like hardcore Kiss fans know, uh, there was an issue with um, Creatures of the Night, where one side was Creatures of the Night and the other side was uh, John Cougar Mellencamp's right. American that's True. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh -huh. well yeah. when I, when I thought this, they had an issue. Like when I flipped it over, it was Taylor Dane yeah. because <laughs> this shit, this shit is fucking horrible but you know Chris brought up earlier that at this time you know Paul was so desperate I mean they, uh, you know a lot of Kiss fans know at this time they came off like they were huge but they were broke there was all these problems and Paul was trying to write out these songs and sell them to other artists and and this totally sounds like he's trying to write something for I don't know if it's Liza Minnelli Taylor Dane or fucking you, you know or the, or, or yeah. the people that created the show Small Wonder Exactly, <laughs> you know. Uh, no, th th this is unforgivable. Like I said, this is probably the. I can't remember what I picked as my second worst Kiss song, but I, I want to say I picked this. I could be wrong, but I, I give "Read My Body" a nudge over this. But this is still this is like uh, unforgivable, and you know, as a song coming from my favorite member of Kiss, it really breaks my heart. This is a total piece of shit. Let's go into the next song. Uh, the Look next... what the cat dragged in. Yeah. The, ne <laughs> the next song is When Your Walls Come Down. Oh. Oh, my God. Is this lame? It's like, this song totally fucking sucks. And this song is really repetitive. Oh, yeah. And... Yeah. <laughs> and. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Only Chris Senzak could defend this. And. <laughs> and. <laughs> and... <laughs> and... Oh, it's horrible. It's about time oh. someone brought that point oh. up. Bam. Oh, oh. And, yeah, I, yeah. When your walls come down, and you quit honestly, trying. Listen, I honestly think they made my way the last song on side one, and when your walls come down on the first song on side two, because it's like we have to break the shittiness up, because right. the only way it would work. Um, this is Paul Stanley writing a Gene Simmons song. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I like. I like that. I, I, I tend to disagree with that. 
Well, the lyrics are horrendous. He's fucking quoting nursery rhymes. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, but come on. I'm alive. Come on, Paul. Paul, Paul Paul's as guilty as Gene. Oh, I, well, I agree with that. But it's bang, music- bang, you, hello. That's true. Musically, it's not that bad, but the, the lyrics completely ruin this song. It's just... And- yeah, and the whole <laughs> thing is fucking retarded. Oh the the one thing that sticks out... Oh, I'm sorry, Chris, are you done? Yeah, what else can I say? Okay. No, I, uh, I, I didn't even finish, but I'm done. Yeah, I know. It's like, like, let's all give a half-ass review to this one, since it is half-ass. But the it's one thing I remember more than and was the way when it fades, uh, it fades out where he goes, Here, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> Oh my god! It's horrible! Like, <laughs> Even at 11 years old, I thought that was retarded. Fucking CC Phil laughs at that. What, what I love though is uh, they rarely played this live. And they said the song did not come out well when played live, so it was only played a couple times. Like, this song didn't come out well in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Nevison was like, don't ever play this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Ouch. God damn, Bill. Oh, man, I mean, where do I go? You guys hit all the fucking right nerves. Okay. I mean, Bill, Bill Wang ain't going to give this a chopstick. He's going to give this Chinese drywall. <laughs> yeah, right. Up the, you know what? Up the, up the rear door. But uh, it's not a very good song. And actually, it sucks. And I gave it zero chopsticks and bam. <laughs> I mean, it's a simplistic explanation of the song, but it's, I mean, what more can I say? You guys hit all the right you know, points. It's horrible. It's terrible. And it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's terrible. You know, it's horrible. All right. Well, Wayne, you're on a roll. Why don't you take the next one, which is Reason to Live? All right. I, oh, I'm, I'm, I'll be glad to. Uh, okay. So this came out in 87. Rewind two years prior. Foreigner. I want to know what love is. I mean, come on. Talk about ripoff. This is a total ripoff. The song is pathetic. I hate it. The keyboards, it's like, wait a minute. Is this Kiss? You know, is this Kiss? What are these keyboards? What are you doing to me? Pathetic, terrible. And um, I'm sure a lot of people here in San Francisco back then liked it, if you catch my drift. But very, very horrible. I give it terrible. Zero chopsticks. Horrible. Uh, this song is enjoyable the same way it's enjoyable how Ian watches my YouTube reviews. You turn it, you turn the sound off, and you look at that hot blonde. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just, I'd love to look at your face. Yeah, Ian watches my reviews with the, with the volume off. <laughs> same way I listen to his radio show. Exactly. Anyway, so, so, my, my, this song, holy fuck. You guys ain't nothing without each other. Come on now. Come on. No, no, no. Exactly. That's why uh, when I do my stuff, he doesn't listen. And when uh, I do my stuff, hey, man, I'm on drugs now. We mutually ignore each other. Exactly. That's <laughs> but, why it works. No, That's I, why the Rock and Metal Combat podcast is the place to be deadly D. You know what hey, I'm saying? That, that's how me and Ralph keep the magic alive. We don't take right. blood tests. We want to be surprised. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and unlike Paul and Gene, I like having Ace around, if you know what I mean. Exactly. Bam. You know, I, know, I know when something works and, you know, I'm not going to fucking uh, dress, uh, dress fucking Greg Barnes up as Ian and, and do a, 
a fucking you podcast. You ride with it. it. You ride with it. Who got you to the dance? You ride with it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so hey, so hey, uh, back to the song. How talented is uh, Bruce Kulick hitting those two two notes on the keyboard? Oh man, <laughs> yeah, well, brilliant. I, brilliant. I mean, you've got to admit this is the best Casio solo he ever played. Uh, uh, let me tell you, man. This song, this song was the reason. And and I don't know if you guys ever Wikipedia. It's on Google somewhere. Uh, when I played this album, to, when it got to this point, my record player broke, and I took it to the guy to fix it. He says it's unfixable. Your record player caught AIDS. <laughs> First case ever. And there was no reason for this fucking turntable to live. Yes, there was. You should have worn rubber. Bam! <laughs> I should have put a rubber on the fucking needle. Exactly. Uh, so- hey, before I listened to this album the other day, I put on a rubber. I told Mrs. Wayne, baby, I-, I will not give you shit. It's all pure, baby. She's all, make sure you strap it on. I'm all right, baby. You know what it is. You got a reason to live. You know what I'm saying? Be back. <laughs> Chris Sinzak, what do you think of reason to live? Oh, shit. Here we go. All right. Um, hmm. All right, sharpen your knives, guys. Yeah, uh, oh this, yeah, this is the guy who gives me shit about We Are One. Go ahead. I'll still do that. But uh, hey, here's this, the guy. Hold on, hold on. Here's the guy that says, "Oh man, if Crazy Crazy Nights was on Destroyer and Ace Road, and you'd love it." Anyways, did I say that, Chris Sinzak? Anyways, you were saying Chris. That way. He played on Shout It Out Loud. What's the difference? All right. All right. Uh, anyways. This was the first video by Kiss I ever saw. This was my gateway into being the fan. And uh, I dug belts at the time. It was a confusing time. Um, Very confusing. Thank God you got children. Anyways. Right. You can't can't deny how hot the chick was in the video. That was one. That's the hottest chick in any kid's video. Yeah, she's pretty hot. Um, Now, I will say, in hindsight, it's very unoriginal. Because, as Bill mentioned, it's a complete direct ripoff of Foreigner. Um, but it was enough to get my attention, and it was also enough to get my brother's attention, who walked into the room, saw me watching it, and goes, that's not Kiss, and handed me the Alive album and said, this is Kiss. And so I have to give uh, my brother and this video credit for getting me into Kiss. So Your brother's I, a wise man. He is a wise man. But, uh, yeah, so I, you know, in hindsight, I never go back really and listen to this song ever. I listened to it tonight for the first time in maybe 10 years. Um, but I was like, okay, I'll give it credit because it at least got me into the band. They did play this one live when I saw them. Yeah. Oofa. All right, <laughs> Ian. Ian. All right. Well, uh, oh, Ian, I know Ian's going to like this shit. I'd, uh, be, I'd be surprised if you don't like this crap. Yeah, well, here's where I prove you wrong. Because I don't Ooh. like this song. Wow. I love wow. it. I love it, and I love it loud. I told you, motherfuckers. I know this guy more than he knows himself. You were <laughs> right, Doctor Fuck. You were right. I Man, here goes the one. truth. I called I, this one. I love this fucking song, and nobody can shame me because Ralph, you love ABBA and uh, fucking we're, Bill Wang. You've seen you you've seen fucking Sammy Hagar like thirteen times. So, hey, 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 let's not go there. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so neither one of you can fucking shame me. I think this is one of the best Kiss ballads ever. Oh, uh, God. And, and, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and why this wasn't a bigger hit, I'll never know. Oh, uh, I think it is a perfectly structured ballad. 
And structure. 50 cent word. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I, I really think this is a big song. And if, if anybody else would have released this on November 12th, 1987. No one would have heard it. No, no, any other band, I think it would have been huge. Like, if Hart would have done, done this, or anybody, like, that was considered more of a mainstream artist, would have released this song, it would have been way much, I think it was held back because it was called Kiss. But this was written with Desmond Child. Yeah, it was. And, there you uh, go. And, uh, but uh, I, I think it is a great song. It was the second single off the album. It mm. made it to... Uh, Number 64 on the Hot 100, but number 34 on uh, the Hard Rock charts. It was all and, over TV. And it was. It was all over MTV. Uh, MTV, I got to tell you, uh, Dial MTV, this video is number one for a long time. Long time. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, th- Records was calling in every five minutes. Oh, oh that's why. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We know that now. Yeah. Yeah, right. And, and me. Uh, no, it's, seriously... All seriousness, I I really do love this song. I think it's a great ballad. And I'm going to go a step further. I fucking love the lyrics. I think the lyrics are inspirational because, you know, what it said, like, don't get wrapped up. Don't end your life over some fucking chick. Uh, in all seriousness, because there's a lot of people like, oh, God, I'm going to kill myself over this girl. And this song is telling you, like, hey, Everybody has a reason to live. Like this might not be a great kiss song, but you you have a reason to live and don't base your whole fucking life on some fucking, you know, snatch. You, you know, because there's another piece of snatch right around the corner and she might want to bang bang you. So, yep. don't PSA, totally. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know, I don't know about you, but for me, if freaking up with a chick fits like a glove gets me over a bitch more than this song. <laughs> right, right, no, but I, but I, no, no, bam, bam, bam. And not, not for the innocent, too. Yeah. No, I, I'll no. spit that bitch in the face and hang her with the noose. Oh, I want to live. I want to. No, fuck you, bitch. Get out of my house. All right, no, in, in all seriousness, though, I do, uh, I do think that the lyrics are important, and uh, I think it's a solid song. I would much rather hear this than uh, forever by a fucking long shot. Uh, I like Forevermore, and I hate that song. It, it is dated because of the keyboards, but I, I think it is a good structured song. And, uh, I mean, it is of the 80s, but I think it's a great ballad. I thought that Peter Chris song on Psycho Circus was better. What? No, are, are you being serious? No, of course not, man. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, fuck it. Let's go to the next song, which is Good Girl Gone Bad. Uh, this song was written by two other people. Simmons changed one lyric and made it his own. Uh, I think it's another catchy fucking Gene song. Uh, this one was never played live. And, I mean, I could see. I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ, they were playing way too many songs off this album to begin with. So I can see why this didn't make it. But, again, I think it's another strong Gene. I mean... Maybe strong is a strong word, but I think it's another good Gene song off this album. And uh, definitely in my top uh, 11. Oh, wait a minute. There's only 11 songs. Uh, (laughs) It's it's a good song. What do you think, Chris Zinzak? I agree with you. I think it's a cool song. I've I've always liked it. Um, 
it is, I mean, it is, let's just say it's filler, but it's better filler than some of the stuff he's done on previous albums. I think the riff is catchy. Uh, the delivery of the vocals is good. And um, I think it's another case of Gene's songs aging better than Paul's songs. Because, let's face it, Paul's songs do not age well from this album, especially uh, the Here Kitty Kitty type stuff. You know, we can all agree that this is a big myth. That, you know, I mean, I mean, it's not a myth. Paul did keep Kiss going because Gene didn't give a fuck. But we, we all can agree it's a myth that Gene sucked during the 80s. He, he was good, man. At certain points, he did some really good songs. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, are you guys ta- d- uh, done talking about this, too? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, Gene, like I was saying, I think he did a lot of good songs in the 80s, but this ain't one of them. Song sucks. No. This has to be the worst Gene song on the album. Still prefer over the fucking eight, uh, Paul song, but I don't like this one. I, I think this is weak, and it's uh, definitely throwaway and forgettable, and uh, I just don't like it, Bill. Man, oh my god, what can I say to add to that? And basically, I totally disapprove of this song. And I hate it, and it sucks, and it gets zero chopsticks. Thank you. Man. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Awesome. All right. That's uh, it. It's the... short and simple, but I, I totally disapprove. It sucks. All right, Bill, take the... Wait, what's the next? The next one's the last one, right? No, 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 no. Next song no. is Turn Out Tonight. We two more to go. Oh, okay. All right. Who wants to take this turn? Uh, I'll take it. Turn On The Night. This was the third single, third and last single off the album. Uh, they made a music video for this that was filmed live in Worcester, Massachusetts in front of 35 excited fans. But they didn't play it, though. Uh, this, is not, song, this is a song that's never been played live. I know this. Well, uh, that's one. That they, they don't state this in my notes if it's played live. It's so never been I, played live. You know why I know this? Because Bruce Kulick played it live in Puerto Rico or some shit. And he said it. Like, this is a song that Kiss never played live. Well, there you go. It did not chart in the U.S. Uh, it charted in the U.K. It only made it up to uh, 41 on the U.K. charts. I love this song. I, I think it's a, it's a catchy fucking rocker. The keyboards are fucking cheesy. But the song itself, uh, I really love. I think it's one of Paul's stronger songs. That's not saying a lot for this album, but... I think it is one of the stronger Paul songs, and uh, I still enjoy. I, I love it way more than uh, the title track. That's for damn sure. What do you think, Chris Sinzak? Well, this is one of those that was written by Diane Warren, who would go on to write a ton of hits for Aerosmith and other artists. Um, this was definitely attempt an attempt at a radio hit. Uh, I still do not understand why this was not a radio hit. Whether you guys like the song or not, you may think it's a complete turd. It, you can tell that the way it was written was it was written to be a big hit on radio. Um, it's not an amazing song or anything, but I do think it's damn catchy, and it will get stuck on your head. And I think Bruce has a pretty memorable solo in it. It's one of those that sticks out to me. Uh, the video is horrible, but I do think the song itself is a, a good, catchy radio-type song. But... Um, I could kind of take it or leave it. I don't think this. I don't think this is one of the standout songs from the album, but I also think that it should have been a actually a it probably should have been a radio hit. But th- maybe the name Kiss actually hurt them at the at this point. 
I and I believe I believe that was the same problem with uh, Reason to Live. I think the name hurt it when it was a strong song. Well, I didn't really do jack shit on Dylan compared no. to Reason to Live. You know? All right, uh, okay, I'll take it. Um, no, I don't like this song. Uh, the hot blonde is in the video again, but the video really disturbs me because the hot blonde gets an axe and and. Uh, and fucking chops into the mixing board, and you still hear this song playing. <laughs> so that, that pissed me off, too. So uh, this video pisses yeah. me off and, and as much as the song does. No, I'm sorry. I don't like this one. This is... It's just schlock, man. It's... And I don't know, man. It, you know... I, I, I never recall this being stuck in my head. Ever. It doesn't sound like a catchy tune to me, but... Then again, I mean, you know, Chris Sinzak has his opinion. It's Chris Sinzak. <laughs> no, 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 Ralph, no. Ralph's enunciation is perfecto now with the Sinzak. Yeah, yeah. I was on Talking Metal, and I fucked up Sinzak's name. Anyway, it's a hard name he, to pronounce. He's, like, he's like Ace Frehley. He enunced the shit out of that name. Well... <laughs> I know this song is not nearly as catchy as Poser Holocaust, but it, it does it is what it is. Oh now that's personal. <laughs> and by the way, we don't have a song called Pers- uh, Poser Holocaust. But they do have a song called Jaws Ford. This time it's personal. <laughs> and that song gets stuck in everybody's head. <laughs> all all right. right, well okay. All right, yeah, I, I admit it. Thrush and I can never write something as genius as Turn on the Night. You got me there. <laughs> all right well Rev, why don't you take the last song which uh is- thief in the night right yes uh no, hold set- on. i didn't talk about turn on the night I mean, oh, you know, uh, uh, oh i'm sorry yeah i mean i mean being i'll be guilty of redundancy i mean we all said all our our you know clever little lines of this horrific song and Sinzak mentioned the diane warren aspect total bon jovi ripoff one yeah. word comes to mind yuck that's it well uh wang let me ask you one question sure uh you saw this tour right certainly did i saw this tour uh march 30th 1988 a night before sabotage okay well when you saw sammy hagar on uh the little white lies tour did he play this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I saw that specific tour, but yes, I did see a few of his uh, tours. I don't know. Anyways, oh. I digress. Thanks a lot, Wadzilla. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to do it. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Chris Sinzak, what do you think of Thief in the Night? Thief in the Night? Uh, this is... This, this song, the way this song is produced is the way the entire album should have been produced. Because you can tell a marked difference in how the song sounds compared to the rest of the song. There's lots of guitar, bass, and drums. There's no keyboards to be found anywhere in the song. And I think this is a damn good Kiss song, and it's one of my favorites from that entire era. I will take this over the Wendy O. Williams version any day. Um, I think Thief in the Night is a very underrated tune. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's it is my second favorite on the album uh, after No No No, but better than the Wendy O Williams song. Now I'd say it's pretty much the same because I never liked this song, not even the Wendy O Williams version. And I love that album, by the way. I, I really do love the Wow album. But this was like one of the weaker songs on the album. And I think what Kiss did was pretty much 
I mean, yeah, definitely vocally different and musically, I guess it's a tinge different, but it, 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 it's still, uh, it's, it's lackluster, it goes nowhere, it's unmemorable, but hey, it's my second favorite off the album. All right, Bill Wayne. Um, <laughs> what he just said, Dr. Buck. No, I mean, I mean, come on, let's think about it. Stupid lyrics, stupid song, pure garbage, zero chopsticks. <laughs> Oh, okay, one, one more thing. No, Wayne, when you saw Van Hagar on the balance tour. <laughs> oh, fuck <Tomorrow>. you. <laughs> did, did, did they play this? I used to do a lot of drugs back in those days. So, All right. Uh, uh, anyway, I digress. As we were saying. Let's uh, uh, talk hey, about hey. Bang Tango, Mr. Metal. <laughs> hey, I never, hey, Bill, hey, hey I, never, I never saw Bang Tango live 32 times. <laughs> yeah, but Bill, you got to remember, Ian was buying Van Hagar albums back then. Something he no, I, wasn't. I was just I was just chopping up lines on the CDs. Bam! So what the fuck? Why the fuck, <laughs> Ian? You're goofing on poor Bill here. You were actually paying money. Exactly. To- so much for your place to stay in San Francisco. Bam! <laughs> hey, no, uh, I never paid my money. My poor grandparents paid for it. But uh, <laughs> even worse. Yeah, I know. I know, right? I was using the elderly. Exactly. That, that, that you're to respect your family. That's, that's right. God. Yeah. Well. Well. Now it is a hate crime. In the '80s, it was just. Uh, it happened. Yeah. No wonder he hates right. the elder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, love it. I love it. This is tied for my favorite, and in hindsight, this is probably my favorite song on the album. And I think uh, Sinzak hit on a good point. The rest of the album should have sounded like this. Amen. You know, you know, no keyboards, no fucking bells and whistles, no kitchen sink, no uh, Bon Jovi s chorus, uh, just like the band playing. No Puff Stanley. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. No Kiss. <laughs> and, and, and and I agree. I do think it's better than the Wendy Williams version, though. I do like the Wendy Williams version. Oh, I like it too. Uh, I gotta say, you know what, man? You really think about it. Asylum was a fucking fluke. How the hell did they, in the middle of all this bullshit, come up with a with a decent album without Vinnie Vincent? Ain't that weird? Well, because they, yeah. they wrote a song that's almost better than fucking Stairway to Heaven. It's called Tears Are Falling. Although, you know, I honestly, to play... Why Dylan's cons- song? Why Dylan's song? Well, it is like, my song. To play conspiracy theorists, there was... I saw on the internet somebody had claimed that Paul Stanley ripped off some female songwriter on Tears Are Falling and never gave her the credit that she deserved. So who knows? Maybe they fucking cheated no, their way. No, no, actually, no. The story is that he did rip off this singer, but she's so ashamed she didn't want no credit. <laughs> you don't like Tears Are Falling, really? That song fucking sucks. But you love. Oh, I love that song. Well, no, come on. Sorry, that's Bill, a rule. Bill, we gotta like disagree on that like, one. We are one. Yeah. Yeah. We I disagree like, on. I like. Stupid. We are one way more than than Tears Are Falling. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. Yes, Woo. I yeah. do. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So Ralph, much like Ryan White, proves you don't have to be gay to have AIDS. Oh shit. Okay. Damn. <laughs> wow. That is so offensive. Oh, come on. He's... Yeah, I know, right? Ian, stop it. That was offensive. Oh, <laughs> come on. He's, he's I, dead. It was wrong, Ralph. I just said that to him. <laughs> oh, God. All right. 
Well, that is our review. Well, hold on. There, there's a few things we should talk about. There was some songs written for this album that didn't make the cut. And one of them, I think, would have much benefited the album is Sword and Stone. I don't like yes. it. I don't like it. You don't like it? I, I love it. It was recorded by a band called Bonfire for the Shocker soundtrack. I like that band, Bonfire. They had a song called Star War that was really good. Yeah. Bonfire is a good band. Yeah, Bonfire but, uh, was cool, yeah. I, I think that's a great song, and I don't know why it didn't make the album. I think it's much better than a lot of the songs on the album. What what do you think of Sword and Stone, Chris and Zach? Oh, I love it. I think it easily could have replaced Bang Bang You on the album. There you go. <laughs> uh, Bill Wang, are you familiar with Sword and Stone? Yeah, I certainly am, but that's not saying much. But uh, I agree <laughs> with you guys. I mean, you know, without being clever, I mean, it's really true. It's well, well, really not that difficult. And, and, and here's the funny thing. Like, he wrote it. It didn't make the album. He offered the song to Loverboy. And Loverboy, oh. t- Loverboy turned it down. But their lead guitar player, Paul, Paul, Dean. Paul Dean, did a solo album. And he put it on his solo album. Yeah. It's too wow. bad he couldn't sing. Yeah. And <laughs> there you go. There was... <laughs> There was also one that uh, Eric Carr wrote called "Dial L for Love," that uh, that that didn't make the album. And uh, Gene Simmons had some other songs. Gene Simmons actually had twenty to twenty-five songs. Wow! <laughs> for a guy that was doing nothing but movies, that's pretty impressive, right? Right. Right. Well, here's the here's the thing. Listen to his songs and <laughs> and realize that those were the best songs. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I mean, come on. We haven't heard those 23 songs. He he had a song called Are You You Always This Hot that he he wrote with Adam Mitchell. And also uh, uh, Boomerang was written at that time but didn't make it. I like that song. Yeah. Here's some other songs that didn't make it. X Marks the Spot, Scratch and Sniff. Oh, shit. (laughs) What Goes Up, Hunger for Love. Oh God! Dirty blonde and no mercy, and and unfortunately we do not know those great songs. Thought-provoking titles. Yeah, yeah, especially like like I think you know in in this stage of your career you might as well release scratch and sniff. Only why not? Why not? Yeah, only kids of the '80s will appreciate the title because we we actually had scratch or sniffs, you know, but. uh, Maybe, girl, maybe, maybe he should re- he should release a song called Color Forms, you know, and maybe that could be a hit. Or, or how about Viewmaster? <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, this uh, this is by you know from far being the best Kiss album, but it is what it is. It, it has a cult following, and by cult following, like a lot of Jim Jones members like this album and drink Kool Aid. No, nah, this uh, album does not have a cult following. <laughs> Come on, if, if fucking Elder Chris Sinzak, Chris it's a cult of one. You know, you you want to know something <laughs> interesting? <laughs> we are one. You, you know something interesting? A lot of Kiss collectors, of uh, video collectors, they like anything from Asylum Down. Like they consider anything after, even the reunion and stuff like that is kind of like. Not really as important from Asylum Down. Chris, what's your opinion of Asylum overall? No, I, I honestly love Asylum. 
I See, I think we all agree that Asylum's a good album. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great album. So it, it, it kind of does, like, kill the myth of, well, the reason you guys like Crazy Nights is because, you know, you came in later and we're older. But yet, we still we all like Asylum, and that's pretty much the same era as well. Yeah. Right. So um, that's, that Asylum, is interesting. They were, I honestly think they were being more true to themselves during the making of that record than they were later on. Did you think, Not, did you think Chris uh, Asylum was better than Crazy Nights? In hindsight, I do. But at, at the time, I thought Crazy Nights was better. Right. But that's because right. that's, that's what opened the door. As you may have heard in our recent uh, big interview, um, if there are songs between Animalize and the Vinnie Vincent Invasion first album, if you Frankenstein them and pick the best stuff, would have been one of the best metal albums of the 80s. Agree. Well, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Sorry, sorry, uh, Bill. But you know I love it. Yeah, I know your review is hilarious. No, but I know you know. Here's the deal: you and me saw Creatures tour. Enough said. Bam. Exactly, and we both saw Vinnie Vincent Invasion. I saw him open for Alice Cooper. Oh I'm right, just, you saw him the the tour prior to the Iron Maiden. Exactly. I saw, and I got to tell you, I mean, I, the the reason why I'm a big Vinnie Vincent fan with Kiss is because I felt like Kiss like restricted him. You yeah. know, he yeah. he didn't go so ape shit because Kiss kind of like. He re- they reined him in. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think by doing that, I I mean, personally, I think he shined more. Now, I do too. Just to get off the subject for a second, I mean, I, I will tell you, after that really horrible review I gave the, the first Vinnie Vincent album, uh, horrible. I wish I could go back because there is one song I got, and I, and I actually didn't say that, that much bad about it, but I really love uh, No Substitute. I think yeah, I love that song. See, I, I like Boys Are Gonna Rock. Oh, I love that song too. Fuck yeah. that. It should have been a huge hit, in my opinion. Which but one? Uh, Boys Are Gonna Rock. I think it is the best song off that album. I think what killed that band, though, was that image. It was too oh, yeah, yeah. so bad. But, but I'm, I'm going to take it a step farther than, than you, Ralph. Uh, and, and I totally agree with what you said about what made Vinnie Vincent work and Kiss is the way he was held back. I'm going to go a step further, and I think uh, you could say the same thing for Ace Frehley. Because I think Ace working within Kiss, when Ace is like, okay, he, give us a fucking solo. That's where Ace fucking shines. You know, where, where, where Ace has to carry the whole song is where there's issues and why you see so many covers. But, yeah, but, but you know what, man? It still was Ace. It was like, oh, no, it, it, you it, listen to Ace with Kiss and Ace solo. Okay, maybe they don't have the 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 memorable shock me type solos, but it still sounds like an Ace Frehley solo. You can't tell me Boys Are Gonna Rock sounds like you know uh, 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 on the Eighth Day, which were which originally was Boys Are Gonna Rock. You know, <laughs> right? No, right, no. But what what I'm saying though is I think. I think Simmons and Stanley had a great way of honing. I don't think Simmons and Stanley fucking controlled Ace at all, as far as this playing at all. Well, well no, I'm maybe saying, on Destroyer, but nowhere I, I, else. I, I, I'm saying if you if you listen to Ace's solo stuff, and when you listen to Vinny's solo stuff, I think it's best when they have that spot to shine, 
than to be the actual songwriter and the guy who constructs everything. I think like you give them a foundation and, and, and then you give them a moment to shine. I think that's where both Benny and Ace excel. Well, well there is a bit of like, yeah, I agree with that actually. No, well, a little bit of a guidance, well, well, maybe gotta, guidance. Yeah. Well, no, but you know what, dude, this is why I disagree because Ace Frehley released a solo album in 78 that had nothing to do with Gene, Paul, or Peter, and that fucking album rules. Well, well, I'm going to tell you this, and, and I hate to use the word, but it's an anomaly. Because because it was never repeated. It, yeah. was, it was never repeated. Well, neither, and, neither and, was fucking, uh, what, Live to Win or whatever the fuck, you know? Oh, no, Live to Win is fucking horrible, dude. I'm the biggest Paul Nutswinger. You like Live to Win more than I do. I, I like Live to Win more than, well, not more than 78, but I liked it more than you did, yeah. Can't you say the same thing about Paul and Gene? Exactly. When they worked with Ace, their shit shined. Exactly. You know Thank what I'm saying? You. Right? Well, it's a, it's a double, you know, it's a double-edged sword. No, 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 no. Sure, I understand the structure, the guidance aspect of Ace Frilly and Vinnie Vincent, but you could say the same. When they worked with Vinnie Vincent and Ace Frilly, they shined. Otherwise, they didn't shine. All right, and they, they were they, eh, and, and mediocre also, best. And also, what they did with Bruce wasn't really fucking groundbreaking, like with Vinny and Ace. Okay, so oh, exactly. oh, oh, oh no, no, no. I mean, by the time that came out, I think, I think through everything that they went through, by the time those members came in, okay, here's your role. This is what you can do. That's it. Sound like this guy who has a top ten record and shut the fuck up. You know, you know, I I don't I don't think you know I think Vinnie Vincent was the last like replacement member that had like any kind of serious input. You know, I you know right. I, I I don't think anybody else like oh hey I have an idea like yeah yeah, yeah get the fuck out of here you got a dick on your breath shut up play this you know hey hey Thayer here's some lyrics that talk about being in space shut the fuck up and sing uh, <laughs> go get me some spaghetti. <laughs> Tony Thayer. Tony Thayer. Scared kiss sucks. Uh, Bill, you and I are going to disagree on that. Well, you know of what? Course, and, you're and, a, and, you're and, a scab apologist. Chris Sinzak being exposed by Bill Wang. Uh, I, I, I and like that. And, and, and you know what? Uh, me and Bill agree in so, with so much, but another thing. I know. Me, it's it's you, pretty great. Yeah, it is, but you and I do disagree on Monster. Well, I think oh. Monster. Monster's okay. I don't think it's Crazy a Nights is better. Bam. Yeah, you All see, right. that's what I mean. I mean, I love Monster. I actually like I think, Monster more than any... I like Monster more than fucking Asylum. Monster is much better than Sonic Boom. Well, well I yeah, hate Sonic That's Boom. not Sonic saying Boom. much. Italy D. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck Bill Wang's bitching about when he saw Van Hagar 37 <laughs> times. Uh, you are such a dick. I love Let's you. Let's talk about Bang Tango's debut. Anyway, I, ne- right. I, I never saw him live. <laughs> I'll take uh, Bill's side. I actually like some of the Van Hagar stuff. No, I, don't uh, think, I don't think Bill liked it. Bill, you like that shit? I didn't say I liked it. I said I saw it. Okay. I saw it too, though. I, I'm sorry. What did you say? Bill, without, without, no, hold on, man. I, I can't be two-faced. Revisionist historians I despise. Back then as a kid, when I say kid loosely... Yeah, I, I did play 5150 in my 1986 Fiero. Okay, in my, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I like to be the... quite honest. Yeah, yeah, driving around San Francisco doing rails. Yeah, I did listen to that album. All right, and it was a matter of 
reflection looking back on it that I look back and I go, God, this is horrible. Well, I think I think Ian is way too hard on Sammy Hagar. I don't. I, oh, Chris, you're breaking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't hear him well either. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I mean, honestly. Oh no, hold, hold on. No, it sounds like you lost your fucking mind. I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I can't hear. You. I don't think I, Ian's hard enough. Really? I mean, is it that bad? It's really? probably. It, it no, really I think is, it is bad. It I really is that bad. That's it just really idols, is. and then they came up with look, that shit. I mean, look, 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 I don't blame us. Chris, Chris, here's Listen. the deal, man. Here's the deal. Sammy Hagar would would be even less popular than Rick Springfield today if it wasn't for Van Halen. That guy like, that guy milks his solo career like it was like this big thing. Sure, he sold some records, VOA, three lock box, but so did Billy Squire and a bunch of other handful of people that that don't matter anymore. He still okay, matters because he he played on multi platinum albums thanks to Van Halen. Okay. So right. you so your gripe mostly comes from what he says in interviews. Is that right? He was no, the no, no. biggest well, Van Halen of BOA tour compared to 1984. I mean, that's pure no, bullshit. Yeah, here's the thing, Chris. Yes, that that does fuel my hatred for the guy. Yeah. But, dude, I was there, dude. I even saw Sammy Hagar open for Journey uh, on the Frontier store with the uh, arrow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ralph, I think you got a little bit fucked up. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's see, right. Ralph, now, see, he abuses me. Okay, so Ralph's being honest. Yeah, you no, know, here yeah, we go. yeah, no. But Journey opened up for Sammy. That's Hager. right. I forgot. And Sammy Hagar headlined that stadium that day. Was that three lock box tour? Oh, Ralph? I, it might have been. It might, I'm yeah. not. I'm, I don't. I know it wasn't Drive 55 yet. Right, right. 82, I think, was three lock box. Yeah. And, well, uh, well, Frontiers and Rock in a Hard Place, Aerosmith. But yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, I I really don't like the guy musically. I never did. I never ever did. But then you know I see him talk about how he's so. And I'm like, dude, you would be nobody today if it wasn't for Van Halen. You'd be, I mean, you'd be playing State Fair opening for Rick Springfield. I you know, agree with that. Billy, Billy Squire is yeah. a bad example because I think Billy Squire could do a good uh, theater tour. The the. What I don't know if you guys are, uh, know this, but Billy Squire is mega rich because he's the most sampled rock artist to rap records. All right, well, here's where I get to school you, Ralph, because you said Billy Squire is the most sampled artist. Uh, actually, Sammy's most sampled artist because if you listen to any album, uh, the silence in between tracks is the applause at Ribfest for the circle. <laughs> Uh, yeah. so, so, so he makes more money off of that than he does off, off his shitty tequila. You don't even like the Montrose stuff that he did? Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. okay here, here's what oh, we all agree the first Montrose so, brilliant. First no, no, Montrose, I hated Paper Money. I thought no, that album Oh, me too. Me too. I hate that too. Van Halen is my be all end all. As much as I love Kiss, my favorite American band of all time. Is Van Halen? Mine as well, and that's another. Oh, that's another thing, you know. Not me, Kiss. And it, it, it's like somebody coming in, and, and like fucking your mom right in front of you. Oh come on, you don't hate me that. Ralph much. does it every Sunday morning. What are you talking about? Yes, but Ralph can sing. <laughs> R- Ralph has <laughs> good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. Ralph has better yeah, lyrics. I can sing, so be quiet, Chris. Don't say nothing. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I just and let's is, be honest. And anybody who joined Van Halen that year 
it, it would have done it would have done great because they were so big. It's all about the name. It's all about that shit. That that's what people you know. That's why you see all these bands fighting and suing over a fucking name. Let me let me play devil's advocate for a second here. The first Van Halen al- album came out what, was it seventy eight? Yes. So six years later, eighty four comes out, right? Yes. So that's the la- that's the end of the Dave era. So. OU812 comes out the next year, 85. No, and then oh, 88. Yeah, OU812 came out. 5150 came out. 86 was 5150, OU812 was 88. Okay. Well, anyway, so they pick up right, they pretty much right away pick up with Sammy. And then five or six years later, the fuck album comes out, which has right now on it. And you can't deny right now was a massive hit. It was. Oh, but, it was. But nobody it was. cares about it now. It didn't, it didn't stick around like running with the devil. You know what I'm saying? He's right. He's right, Chris. It's of the time. It's of the time. Nobody you're not gonna hear right now like you're gonna hear you really got me. Yeah, Yeah. people remember right now like they remember Crystal Pepsi. And you gotta remember You Really Got Me came out how many years before right now? And it still trumps it. You know, today. Devil's advocate. No, but I'm just giving you, it could be a big, there's a million big hits that nobody gives a fuck about anymore, you know, that nobody cares about. So if we're going to talk about what was a big hit then, it doesn't matter now if nobody gives a fuck now. It was of the time, you know. I would argue that some people still do give a fuck. Yeah, but not uh, not as much as you really got me. Yeah. That didn't sell us, that that wasn't as big. Is this such a bad idea to like Dave and the Sammy era? No, yes. it's not. I, well, to Ian, it is. I don't care I what like anybody do, likes. Quite frankly, I, I, I really like... don't. I don't care. Hey, hey, hey Bill, that doesn't make up for the fact that you saw Sammy Hagar sixty-five times. No, I was uh, very funny. No, I was piggybacking on what Sinzak said. Commercially speaking, right now, to this day, still has some commercially viable aspect as far as uh, I mean. I mean, it's a totally dated song, and and yeah, like Where, for instance, like in the Super Bowl, you had the uh, the the the, uh, the Van Halen commercial. We're, I mean, you know, yeah, that is shit that sticks by generations, multi-layered and everything, and it's like it's not dated. That Van Hagar stuff is specifically yeah. dated. Yeah, it, yeah it, no, it's you're just, right. I and and you know, more people are into Van Halen one today than they were back then. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I know. I so know. that's that's my point. But but yeah, uh, I now I didn't understand what Chris actually meant. Now I do understand. Uh, it does have some kind of. I mean, right now it still has some kind of commercial acceptance. It's one of the day. few Van Hagar songs you hear on classic rock radio, Doctor Fuck. Sadly, but it's a fact. I hear that. Sh- I heard it on uh, the Bone here in San Francisco. I mean, you hear ten Van Halen songs. And then you hear the anomaly, the one Van Hagar right. well, song. That's, like, well, that's why it's on the bone. Because if you heard that song, you're getting fucked. Uh, <laughs> well, that goes without saying. Anyway. Oh, all right. Well, I don't know how we got onto this, but uh, we can all agree. Awesome, awesome discussion. Awesome yeah, discussion. We, we can all agree, as long as we silence Sinzak's mic, that Van Hagar sucks. So let's go into pick of the week. <laughs> And uh, Chris Sinzak, as long as you don't pick Van Hagar, we're going to let you say your pick of the week. <laughs> well, my pick is OU812. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, uh, <laughs> no, I'll pick something that I think everyone here in, that we're talking to in the virtual room will like. Um, talking about 
1980s the Michael Schinker Group album. Oh yeah. Nice. This, this album is fucking awesome. Yeah. Came out in August of 1980, produced by Roger Glover from Deep Purple. Uh, of course, the big song off this album that you'll still hear once in a while on the radio is Armed and Ready. And damn near the whole album was written by Michael Schenker and Gary Barden. Man, talk about a one-two punch with these two guys. I mean, this is... As much you know, you always hear about Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and stuff, and and but man, this album is so ridiculously overlooked, and this should be like up there with like a must that you need to have in your album collection. August 1980, Chrysalis Records, produced by Roger Glover, you got Gary Barden singing, you know, uh, Michael Singer playing guitar, Billy Sheehan on bass, Denny Carmasi on drums. Um, fucking michael schenker group dude uh, don airy on keyboards i mean it's uh it's a classic that should be a classic but not enough people know about it so that's my pick of the week and that's nice. a great pick that is a really I, I, I i love it i prefer the second album but i still love the first one thank you all right great pick all right bill wang bill wang burning down one side pledge pin slow dancer fat lip Robert Plant, June 28, 1982. Robert Plant, Pictures at 11. My favorite Robert Plant uh, album that he's ever done, aside from Led Zeppelin. Love that album, and that is my pick of the Dude, Bill, that video. You seen the video for Burning Down One Side? Oh, I love it. Dude, you know that part where he opens the closet and that blonde is tied in there? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, If you guys excuse me, I feel like masturbating right now. Let's all do a circle jerk. <laughs> all right, Chris, on your knees. <laughs> Get down on your knees with my mom. All right. Uh, Ian, I'm still thinking of mine. What's your pick of the week? All right. My pick of the week is uh, this band gets a lot of fucking hate. Um, and they they are the Wabaratas. But before they were with Sammy Hagar, uh, they were with Rupert. What a dick! They, they they were with Rupert Holmes, who was famous for the Pina Colada song. Oh wow! But uh, there was Ru- Rupert Holmes, the Wabaratas, uh, way before Sammy Hagar ruined another band. Um, no, uh, I hate when that happens. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, seriously, because I I can't find that eight track. I'm going to go with a disc that's right in front of me. And that is L.A. Gunn's third album, Hollywood Vampires. And nice. uh, this was really uh, lost in the shuffle. It was, you know, uh, tides were turning, musical flavors were turning. This was produced by Michael James Jackson, who produced nice. uh, Creatures of the Night, produced Lick It Up. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yes, and uh, there's some great... Oh, and, and Armored Saints, The March of the Saints. Oh, he produced that one, too? Oh, That's nice. 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 All That's right. Oh, uh, Wow. Yeah, this one came out, uh, had Over the Edge, uh, Some Life or Love, Kiss My Love Goodbye, Crystallize, It's Over Now. There's some great songs on here. Uh, I'm a big fan of L.A. Guns, uh, especially the first three. I, I, I think we're amazing. I think... This album in particular had the best production. Uh, Kiss My Love Goodbye was the first single and video, and it did okay, but um, 
it didn't do as good as like Ballad and Jane, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I, I love that album, Cock It Loaded. But I think this this is a classic where like, if people, you know, if you like that era of like 80s rock and you go back to listen to this, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It's a solid, solid rock album. LA Guns, Hollywood Vampires, my pick of the week. Love it, good pick. Thanks. All right, uh, my pick of the week is my favorite Gary Moore album, uh, Corridors of Power, which I did a review on YouTube, my YouTube mm-hmm. channel. I don't know if YouTube took it down or not, but uh, this album is amazing from beginning to end. Um, you have Ian Pace on drums, Neil Murray on on bass, and Don Airy on keyboards nice. uh, with the great, late, great Gary Moore on vocals, guitar with... Uh, Man, I'll never forget the very first time I heard, even knew of Gary Moore, because I, I didn't, I didn't own Black Rose or none of that shit. Uh, oh, was uh, there's this thing down here called the Youth Fair, and there was a big traffic jam to get into it, and they played "End of the World" on the radio. And "End of the World," if you guys know, is a song that starts with a blistering guitar solo that lasts about mm-hmm. two or three minutes. And I was in the car going, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> you know, and I actually, you know, and I, we. We got into the fucking uh, uh, the place to park, and they played a song or two after that song, and I was like, "No, leave the car running! I gotta find out who the fuck that was," you know. And yeah, the guy said Gary Moore. I ran out, and bought the album, dude. This album is so good. Like, I can't wait until tomorrow. Is like one of the greatest songs ever written. Uh, yeah. For, uh, uh, oh my god, it's just so. Don't take me for a loser. Always going to love you. Uh, the, the cover of Wishing Well, End of the World. Uh, you know, it's just rocking every night. The whole album is solid from beginning to end. And one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons why Gary Moore shot up to, like, definitely in my top three, four guitar players of all time, that is my pick of the week, Gary Moore's. Corridor of Power, right. Corridors of Power, my favorite of his solo albums, and, and I love his next one, Victim of the Future, was great as well, but that one, Corridors of Power, is very special to me, and that's my pick of the week. Well, that that, is, that yeah. is a great pick, and Ralph, I want to thank you for turning me on to that album, because I had no idea about it until I saw your review, and I, and I love that fucking album. Awesome. Absolutely. All right, well, let's go into Fan of the Week, and Fan of, our, fan of the Week this week is uh, a friend from Down Under, and his name is Tez Fraley. Uh, I don't know if he's related to Ace Fraley, but you never know. Uh, but Tez Fraley, man, you're on the Facebook page. Uh, you know, you post a lot, you comment, and, uh, and man, I love seeing fans from all over the country. We're definitely picking up a lot of listeners and fans in Australia, and I think that's great. I mean, we haven't picked up Warren Money because he likes that Sammy Hagar shit. <laughs> that's that, that's Chris's friend and my, my mortal enemy. Uh, but uh, no, we have a lot of friends down under, and uh, we thank you so much, and we thank you for what you add to the page. You are our fan of the week. I do and, have something yeah. to say about Ted, Ted Fraley. I got to be honest, like he's an all right guy and all, but I really did enjoy his post-war when he did it with uh, with Jerry Stanley and George Simmons. <laughs> when he hung out with those two guys, it, he, he, he was more memorable post. Uh, I didn't tell you this, Ian, and this is exciting news. I just found out where we're playing in London is not far from Abbey Road. 
and uh, the girl that was here staying with me, she tells me that famous street where the Beatles crossed Abbey Road, no cars drive down that street. I mean, barely cars drive down there because it's constantly with people crossing the street taking pictures. So, uh, Thrash and I will do a picture across the street. And, yes, I will take off my shoes. Hey, when do you leave for that, Dr. Fuck? Huh? When do you go on that European tour? Uh, I We leave May 20th, I believe. Or something awesome. like that. Awesome. You must be yeah, so we're gonna, up, yeah, man. We, cool. Yeah, we get back. Uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're doing a full month in Europe. And it's, awesome. it's 28, awesome. 28 shows in 29 days. I get one day off. Wow. It's going to wow. be hectic, man. It's going to be fucking crazy. Oh, I'm but... sure, man. That's going to be fucking epic. What a fucking dream come true. Yeah, man. man. And get to take a picture on Abbey Road crossing the street. It's going to be badass. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I look yeah. forward to that shit. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing an international tour, too. I'm playing an Italian restaurant uh, next month. <laughs> and uh, then I'm playing this French joint uh, a week after that. <laughs> we all can't be so lucky Ian. yeah and then after that i'm playing this indian restaurant and uh you know if they run to the bathroom it's not me it's the well, see, they, see we're not playing in india so ian got me beat there yeah yeah it's an untapped market you know? <laughs> <laughs> we, we have all kinds of plugs that we're gonna play that you hear every week but let's hear live from the people that are here. Bill Wang, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? You could find me if you just go on Facebook and you put in Bill Wang. I am the first Bill Wang that comes up. I have an Ace Freely profile picture, and there's a lot of Bill Wangs out there in the world, but I'm the guy that comes up first. Or if that doesn't work, go for Kiss, 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 Metal and Hard Rock. It's a little Facebook group that me and my wife Gina Elizabeth, Mrs. Wang run, and uh, we have a lot of fun, and uh, that's where you could find me. I yes, love, I love that group. By the way, I love your group. Thank you, Ralph. Thank make, you, man. Make sure you get the right Bill Wang because the one underneath that uh, has this picture taken with Sammy Hager at the Cow Palace <laughs> in uh, 1989. No, no, I'm the first Bill Wang that comes up. Yeah, pro. You are the first and the best. Chris, Damn right, I am. Chris Sinzak. Tell our listeners where they can find out about you and your show. Uh, you just go on Facebook and you look up Bill Wang, and I'm the first one. <laughs> Very no, funny. No, no. Uh, decibelgeek.com. Uh, if you're on iTunes, look up Decibel Geek. Uh, put out a new show every week, usually on Thursday or Friday, depending on how drunk I get the night before. Um, <laughs> lots of uh, cool interviews and stuff coming up soon. Hopefully we're going to be involved in the Farm Rock Nashville show that's going to feature Killer Dwarfs, Tom Kiefer, Vince Neal. Although I don't really want to talk to Vince Neal because he's a prick and just hit a woman. Well, let's get into the plugs. Podbean. Check us out on Podbean, our home, uh, our main page, where there's links to everything, where you get every episode every Sunday morning. Go on there, you know, follow us. Uh, subscribe, whatever the fuck it is. Leave comments. You can leave. If you join up, you can uh, follow us. Leave comments on the episodes. Uh, I love that kind of shit. Also, check us out on iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, 
subscribe to us on iTunes. That way you get every episode. And also leave a review. You leave a review, we're going to read that shit on the air and make you famous. Because people all over the world listen to this shit. And they will hear your name and hear your review. So be funny. And give us five fucking stars. Also, check us out on that metal station where you can hear us twice a week. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. All right, while you're still on that metal station, check out a friend of ours, a big fan of the show. Mike Tyler has two shows, one on Tuesday that is strictly thrash and another one that on Friday that just plays everything. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians Producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to the rock show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully G U W L Y A N D J O A dot UK. 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The rock show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007. You've been getting Podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else. Whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkissed. The Podkissed. The KISS Audio fanzine for your ears. Music's most diverse podcast. Starring Luke Innes, Greg Sims Bootlegs and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans and cult movie fanatics alike don't miss an episode of we watched it for you a guide to the lesser known movies of netflix available on itunes or wherever you download your podcast hello this is lee gerstman and i listen to a show called wadzilla rock it's on a station called thatmetalstation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music.
heavy rock from when I was younger up until now, and he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love humping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on thatmetalstation.com. Thank you. Hey, 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 it's me, Bill Wang. Make sure you listen to the Dr. Fuck Show Thursdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, the replay Sundays, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on thatmetalstation.com. Biddle, diddle, oh, yeah, I fucked up. Bam! All right, well, if you love that episode, and we know you did, come back <laughs> next week when our special guest is Kiss's own, Paul Stanley, where he comes here to defend his solo album, Live to Win. <laughs> and I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to lose. <laughs> but that's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.